0: Your fertility journey and the science that brings hope to your family. This important hour is brought to you by Utah Fertility Center. Now, our host, Jeff Kaplan, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on this peaceful Saturday afternoon. Over the hour ahead, we're going to take you on a journey. A journey that can be exciting, empowering, enthralling. A journey toward having a family, a blessing, but a journey that can also cause fear, worry, consternation, concern, and even heartbreak. This hour, we'll talk about those families and their journey to fertility. You'll learn about the miracles of modern science and about so many couples who struggle, persevere, and conceive. We'll talk about treatment options, the cost, the process, success rates. And our guest this afternoon is Dr. Russell Folk from the Utah Fertility Center. Dr. Folk, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Dr. Folk, first of all, I want to know about the problem of infertility. Certainly so many Utahns want the blessing of children, but how many can't without help?
2: With infertility, it's surprising how uh, most couples, once they get diagnosed with infertility, realize how common it is, much more common than what most people think. Um, Normal fertility rates are are about 85% per year, which means infertility rates are 15% per year. So if you take 100 couples, about one out of eight individuals will have trouble getting pregnant. One
1: out of eight? very common when you say 15 percent it sounds like a small number but one out of eight
2: yeah imagine if you had eight friends and you're all around the reproductive age and you're all actively trying to conceive you can imagine that at least one or maybe one more of that are going to have trouble getting pregnant
1: well we all recognize that even miracles can have limitations what percentage of couples that you see at utah fertility clinic are you able to help
2: Virtually all. The beautiful thing about reproductive treatments these days is we can recognize the vast majority of causes and find cures, find ways to overcome those barriers. So virtually all can succeed in having a family.
1: Do you put percentages to it? Is that the kind of thing you follow?
2: For sure. Yeah, we have percentages based upon the type of treatments received. Um, the ultimate outcomes, how many times people have to try in order to achieve success. So a lot of statistics in our field.
1: So there's a lot of hope.
2: Tremendous amount of hope. Yeah, I think that if there's any point of awareness that's most important to convey this hour, it would be to have hope. Infertility is a devastating disease and can affect couples severely, as you can imagine, not being able to create a family. But the hope is that virtually all causes can be found and treated effectively so they can have a baby.
1: So there's hope and there are staggering numbers. So if you're grappling with infertility, the first important point is you're not alone.
2: Oh, for sure. For sure.
1: When a couple tries to conceive and they don't get the result desired, it's frustrating, certainly. But it doesn't necessarily mean there's a fertility problem and that they need treatment. Is, Is there a recommendation of how long you should, well, keep on trying but before you reach out for an evaluation from an expert
2: there is actually the definition of infertility is defined according to the the length of time that someone's trying and the recommendation or a good rule of thumb is that if you've been having relations with your partner and you've been unable to conceive within 12 months that usually means there's a problem so that's the time we recommend you seek care
1: Do you get calls from nervous people after four, five, six, seven months? And you say, don't worry about it. Come (laughs) back later. Not
2: very often. But what we often will get is if someone recognizes that there is a problem. For example, if a uh, woman does not have regular cycles and is worried that she may not be ovulating, she certainly doesn't have to wait 12 months to go and fix it. So we will get people in earlier than that that identify certain problems. There are
1: flags. It's a rule of thumb. Wait a year.
2: That's a rule of thumb, to wait a year, to give Mother Nature a chance. An important statistic that's vital when understanding reproduction is what's called the cycle fecundability, which means what's the probability of a normal fertile couple getting pregnant any given month? And that number is 20%. Which means if you take the most fertile man, the most fertile woman, and they have relations on the day that she ovulates, so timing is perfect, only one in five, 20% will get pregnant that one month, which means it takes usually several months to get pregnant, about three to four months for the average folks, and then virtually everybody or 85% will get pregnant within the first 12 months.
1: And then at 12 months, if there's an issue, perhaps, perhaps there's a problem. Correct. So fertility treatment is something that we usually don't dive into. Nobody becomes an expert on the subject until there's a problem. Necessity brings you to the internet. You start searching the web. Maybe you make a phone call. So much of this is a mystery to so many couples. And we want to try and unravel that mystery this afternoon.
2: Yeah, it's interesting how most of us get our information historically. It's always been through your friends, your family, your close ones. Uh, but nowadays, with the world of the internet, there's a wealth of information that you can gather. And it's good in some regards, bad in others, because sometimes, as you, everyone knows, the Internet can scare people and misdirect them and send them down paths that are incorrect. So it's good to get information from your family, but also supplement that with information you can get on your own.
1: So I guess I should ask, when, when you browse the web looking for information that's out there about fertility, do you see misinformation out there?
2: Quite a bit. Yeah, and Infertility, because it is such an intimate uh, disease, an intimate condition... Most people don't like to publicly discuss it with their friends and their family. So they do tend to go to the internet for that information. Unfortunately, what people write on the internet isn't always constructive. Sometimes it's destructive and they complain or or vent some of the frustrations they might feel. And that tends to misdirect folks. And so we get a lot of patients that will come in and perplexed as to how they're going to overcome this disease and usually have that loss of hope. So our first step always is to regain the hope Get a direction, find a path, and then pursue that path.
1: Are people hopelessly depressed
2: when they come to you? Some can be.
1: That's so sad.
2: It's very tragic. The the nature, here's an interesting psychological statistic. Um, psychologists gauge the degree of depression, to the degree of some life event that causes distress in a person's psychological health. And they've equated the diagnosis of infertility to that of being diagnosed with cancer, believe it or not. You think about that, cancer is a devastating disease. If you get that, it just changes your whole outlook on life. Well, what is cancer? Cancer is the potential of losing your own life. Well, infertility is the potential of losing all of your posterity's life. So it has a deep impact on all of us in the thought of not being able to have a baby and create a family. So the psychological toll it plays on people is tremendous.
1: You know, it's depressing just to hear it. And so I'm going to return to the fact that what you bring is hope. For sure. And I'd imagine that hope begins for any couple by making, uh, uh, by searching the web, jumping on Google, finding out what they can about infertility. Do we have a problem? It's a search that probably leads to screwing up the courage to make a phone call. So at Utah Fertility Center, when a couple makes that call to you, what happens?
2: So the first thing we do is have them come in and meet with one of the physicians, and we spend about an hour going through their history, discussing what things have been done to try to achieve pregnancy, where flags might be where that suggest where there could be a problem, and then we embark upon diagnostic tests to try to determine the reason why they're having struggles.
1: May I ask what kind of diagnostic testing you do at this early point in the procedure?
2: Yeah. In fact, this might help with um, an individual's search in their own light to find the reason why they're not getting pregnant. And that is, the cause of infertility is always related to one of three things. It's usually due to something related to the, the egg, which is a contributor from the woman's side, the uterus, which is the uterus tube, cervix, the plumbing that basically brings everything together, or the sperm, which is the contribution from the man's side. So those three things always direct us to where the problem lies.
1: We're speaking with Dr. Russell, Russell Folk of Utah Fertility Center about a process that can be filled with appointments with worry, hope, insurance, expenses, different problems, different fertility solutions, and we are going to get into all of it in just a few moments. I'm Jeff Kaplan and we'll be back on your journey to fertility in just a moment on KSL News Radio.
0: This is a special program called Your Fertility Journey on KSL News Radio.
1: I'm Jeff Kaplan and the journey continues with Dr. Russell Folk of Utah Fertility Center. He's a reproductive endocrinologist and we're glad you're here to Take us through this process that often leads to pregnancy for couples battling with infertility. And there are different kinds of infertility you mentioned, and you mentioned the evaluation process in our last segment. So, what are the different types of problems that a couple can face?
2: Um, They run into three basic categories, and this is critical for anyone trying to identify the cause. And, And my advice is always make sure you know why you're not getting pregnant, whether you see me or any physician or any friend always know why you're not getting pregnant, because you can always find that out. And the way you do is you evaluate whether there is an egg there, so whether you're ovulating, whether there's a healthy uterus there, which includes tubal patency, make sure the tubes are open and the cervix is normal, and whether there are sperm available. So those three things explain about 80% of all causes of infertility. You make it
1: sound very simple, but that's a very complex evaluation, I would guess.
2: I, I try to make it simple because it is it is complex, but actually it breaks it down the birds and the bees.
1: Well, okay, there are three kinds, and there are probably three different ways to treat those three different problems. Correct. What are they?
2: So, for example, if a woman does not ovulate, which often happens if a woman's not having regular cycles, it's a hormone problem. So the reason why we're reproductive endocrinologists, that means hormone doctors, the reason why we treat infertility is because we can restore those hormones and get them back on track so they'll start ovulating again. If the problem lies with the plumbing, with the uterus or the tubes, then there are certain surgical, surgical treatments we can do to try to correct the tubes, or sometimes we have to bypass functions. For example, if the cervix does not allow the sperm to pass through, you can do an intrauterine insemination to get the sperm past that obstruction. Um, if there is a problem with the sperm where there's not enough of them to swim the distance, then that also cures that problem as well, where you can put the sperm closer to the eggs. So there's always a treatment specifically designed for each problem that you identify.
1: Now, I mentioned earlier, nobody knows anything about this subject until they need to learn and then they quickly become experts by by jumping on Google. So my familiarity is with the term IVF. I know it stands for in vitro fertilization because it's mentioned so often in the news media. But all I know is what those letters stand for. I know nothing about what it means. Tell me.
2: So everyone knows IVF because it's the big sexy treatment. It's been around for about 30 years, and it truly is a miracle in its its rendering and and fixing uh, infertility. What's amazing is less than 10% of people that suffer from infertility actually need it. 90% of the time, we can treat it with those other treatments. Um, In vitro fertilization tends to be the most complex of what we treat, Um, but it is also the most successful. So it's usually reserved for cases where the other ones have failed or when you know that you cannot rely, for example, on tubal function. If the tubes do not work, in vitro fertilization is the method by which you bring everything together. And
1: what exactly is in vitro fertilization? (laughs) Uh, The level of detail, let's keep it light.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So in vitro simply means in glass. So it means fertilization in glass. It means outside the body. Usually, fertilization is where the sperm and the egg come together, and that happens in the distal tube, fallopian tube in a woman's body. In vitro fertilization is when we take the egg out, fertilize it with the sperm, create fertilization, create the embryo outside the body in a little Petri dish, and then place it back into the uterus after several days.
1: And that's only necessary in, you said, 10% of the cases that you see?
2: Yeah, 10% of people that suffer from infertility require in vitro fertilization, whereas the majority can be treated with far less complex treatments.
1: Is IVF considered the big last step?
2: Um, No, not really. IVF is just a certain treatment for a certain type of infertility. So you don't want to reserve it to last. For example, if a woman had uh, her tubes blocked or if a man had a vasectomy, the, the sperm and the egg will never come together with those two plumbing problems. So in vitro fertilization might be the best first step in that couple. Whereas if another couple has another issue where the tubes may not work well, like with endometriosis, in vitro might be a later step of treatment.
1: You're painting a picture of very individualized treatment plans. There's no such thing as going in to get a fix. It varies widely.
2: That's why I mentioned earlier that it's so critical to understand why you're not getting pregnant. If you don't know that, then you are just throwing things to the wall. If you go to the proper physician, the proper help, you will find the reason why you're not getting pregnant. And if you don't get that answer, then ask. And if you can't get that answer, seek someone else.
1: And since it is so individualized, it's hard to say something like, well, how much does infertility treatment cost?
2: That is difficult because it depends on what you receive. Um, But it does range. The cost is its own burden on individuals. principal reason is that insurance often doesn't cover it, so it falls on the shoulders of the patients who suffer from the disease.
1: Are there some cases where insurance actually does yes, cover for sure. part of it at the very least?
2: Yeah, it's interesting how insurance works in the United States. It's largely determined by the employers. Whoever pays the bill to the insurance company will determine what's covered. So many employers, like these businesses that are, are looking out for their employees, will often cover all sorts of infertility treatment to make sure that their employees are happy and able to produce a family.
1: Well, there you mentioned there can be a tremendous expense. Are there cases where it's not that horribly expensive?
2: The vast majority are not that horribly expensive. Let me give you some hard numbers. So in vitro fertilization is expensive. For a full six weeks of treatment, it runs around twelve dollars to $15,000. For the 90% that don't need in vitro fertilization, the majority can get pregnant for less than $2,000.
1: If insurance isn't going to cover, are there financing options or programs out there for people that they can explore?
2: There are. We recognize how much finances can be a burden on our patients, so we develop all these programs that enable them to go through, to get the treatment they need, and still fit it in with their budget.
1: I'd imagine the idea is you don't want to turn people away because finance is an issue.
2: We never turn people away. Having a baby is the most important thing in our clinic and so whatever we can do to get someone there is what we strive for.
1: It's quite a statement. Our guest is Dr. Russell Folk of Utah Fertility Center. I'm Jeff Kaplan. We'll be back in a moment with some very special guests. Stay with us on KSL News Radio.
0: Your fertility journey and the science that brings hope to your family. This important hour is brought to you by Utah Fertility Center. Now, our host, Jeff Kaplan, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Having
1: a baby is an emotional, joyous experience. And this afternoon, here on KSL, we're talking with an expert who's helped countless couples who'd practically given up on having children. Dr. Russell Folk of Utah Fertility Center is with us. Thank you for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. And we're, we're talking at length about realistic hope for many couples suffering with questionable fertility. Dr. Folk, earlier in the program, you mentioned the probabilities. People who come to Utah Fertility Center have a good chance of becoming pregnant.
2: Yeah, virtually all. The, the key thing we look for is why they're unable to get pregnant and then find a path that will overcome it. And so even in the most difficult of cases, we're able to achieve a, a success in over 95% of individuals.
1: Well, with those kind of statistics and with you telling us earlier that one in eight couples suffer a fertility problem, there are success stories. And we have one of them here in the studio this afternoon, Tasha. Kyle, thank you so much for coming in. And and very important, thank you for bringing Walker with you. Walker is in a stroller right now. And how old is he? He is uh, just about 10 months old. So this was quite the event for you. I understand you'd been trying for some time to bring Walker into the world.
3: Yeah, we had. It took us about three years to get him here.
1: So this all started probably with a phone call to the doctor, maybe some internet searching before that. Tell us your story.
3: Um, We actually um, um, have kind of an interesting story because we were both married before and we each had a baby girl with our first spouses. Um, And so we were really surprised when we got married and started trying to have a family or our own children that um, we were struggling and that it wasn't really happening for us. Um, We tried for um, a little over a year to get pregnant on our own. We suffered one miscarriage in that time. Um, And then on the recommendation of several friends who had been to the Utah Fertility Center, um, we made the phone call and met with Dr. Folk.
1: And what happened from there? I don't mean to pry, but medically, emotionally, This had to have been a huge burden for you when you walked in the door at Utah Fertility Center.
3: It really was. You know, like I said, we'd already been trying for over a year, and that is multiple months of getting your hopes up, hoping that you would take that pregnancy test and it would be positive, that thing you'd been wanting for so long. And every month our hearts would just break over and over again as it wasn't possible, and especially with that miscarriage that was devastating um, and so by the time we got to, to meet with Dr. Folk, we'd already gone through quite a bit and we were already having, you know, having some hard times. Um,
4: and we'd actually met with quite a few other medical professionals trying to get an idea of why it wasn't working for us. And so by the time we got to Dr. Folk, we, we, we really wanted to have that hope um, that there was an answer for us, but we weren't sure that we were going to find it.
1: Did it feel like you were riding a roller coaster through all of this?
3: That would be a really good way to describe it because it is ups and downs and your hopes get up so high and then they just get dashed and and you're devastated and heartbroken and then you try again and just go through it over and over again.
1: That's so sad. But you go to the Utah Fertility Center and yours was not an easy trip to Walker's arrival, was it?
3: It really, really wasn't. Um you know, when we first got there and we did all those preliminary testing, um, really everything seemed like like this should absolutely work. There was nothing instantly obvious that was very wrong. Anything was, was easily fixed with medication. We had all the hope in the world and Dr. Folk had all the confidence in the world that this would work. Um, and so we did um, the initial procedure and it did work. We were able to get pregnant Um, but we lost that one at about six weeks. Um, And so we went through several other of the early procedures um, with with no success after that. And then we stepped into the world of IVF. Um, And again, his success rating was just, you know, very, very good. And we just felt like, okay, this is the step. This is what's going to work. And again, essentially it did. We did three rounds of IVF and got pregnant on every single one and miscarried every single one.
1: Is that a unique problem, doctor, that a few people have a one-off situation where people continue to miscarry after becoming pregnant?
2: It is. It's an unusual and an extremely unfortunate condition because it's bad enough suffering from infertility. But then To become pregnant and keep losing it is an entirely different set of of problems. And so it was more of a challenge for Kyle and Tasha to find what that reason is. It's actually harder to treat recurrent pregnancy loss than it is to treat infertility. It's much easier to get someone pregnant than to keep them pregnant. So it was a struggle, but we finally fought through the weeds and we finally found the reason.
1: Kyle, he says a struggle. How was Tasha's spirit through all of this?
4: Well... I know for me, it was, it was really very difficult and challenging, but for Tasha, it was 10 times harder. Um, and that was maybe the hardest part for me was seeing her go through this, um, how much she suffered each time. Um, and just the emotional challenge to the roller coaster, the ups and downs. Um, it was really draining on her. And even from the get go, you know, there were times that we thought, is this worth it? You know, do we keep doing this? Cause it, it, it is so it's, it's, it's a challenge, but every time that, you know, you wake up in the morning and you see this little guy over here, you think, oh, I would go through it all again in a heartbeat. It, it's not even a question. It's, it's absolutely, um, we would do it again. We would do as much as required and we really relied a lot during this time on on Dr. Folk and his staff they they were the ones that kept reassuring us that no don't you don't need to give up you can keep going we 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 believe we've got a plan for you we can make this work and i think that's a big reason why we did keep going I'm sure everybody
1: listening feels for what you went through and the setbacks on this journey, and they have to be happy for you. They can't see Walker. This is radio, but I can. That is one spry little guy.
3: (laughs) He's pretty special. We're pretty happy with him.
1: How long was the entire process through the setbacks and everything you went through to the finish line? Well, at first, I guess you became pregnant, and you weren't sure. You probably couldn't have trusted it after everything you'd been through.
3: You know, that's very true. I always kind of told people it felt like I had had the floor fall out from under me so many times that I didn't trust it anymore. So even when we did successfully get pregnant with Walker, um, after after all the treatments and some specialized treatments that Dr. Folk found for us to keep this pregnancy, I was anxious the whole whole time. And we actually did have even a, a scare at the very beginning um, and Dr. Folk and his staff were there with me through every step of the way in that early pregnancy. Um, I had ultrasounds. I was at his office every week, and he was watching Walker and checking my meds, putting me on bed rest to keep this baby here. And um, and I and it helped so much, helped that anxiety and everything. Helped me get through that.
1: You had a lot of care in the truest sense of the word from Utah Fertility Center and from Dr. Folk.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. We felt like we were in very good hands and, and they cared about us personally and they became really good friends to us.
1: So at what point did you say, yeah, this is really going to happen? Was it afterward or along the way, you realize it this was, is going to go to term, and we're good to go.
3: It was probably several weeks into the pregnancy after we had had a scare, and I thought I was going to lose him. I just knew it. I thought I was I was going to lose him too, and um, and then after bed rest, and we got we got along, and we actually um, what they call graduated from the fertility center, and was sent to <laughs> a great. regular OB. Um, And at that point, they have this really neat tree on the wall, and you get to go sign the tree once you've graduated. And and so once we were able to to get to that point and get to a regular OB, and that OB confirmed that this pregnancy was great, I finally started to accept, I'm really going to have a baby, finally. That
1: is wonderful. (laughs) I love that story. So you made it to the finish line. You have Walker now. What's it like having this kid?
3: Oh, It's just the best thing ever. It really is. And like Kyle said, you know, looking back at all of the things that we did to get him here, it really was the hardest thing that we've ever had to do. It was emotional, painful, physically painful, and difficult. It was draining on all of our friends and family. We had people fasting for us and helping us and praying for us. Um, And to just go through all of that and to have him here, it makes everything so worth it.
4: Yeah, I can't wait to tell him. I think that he when he's older, let him know that he's probably one of the most prayed for and fasted babies. <laughs> you can
1: <laughs> tell him the story on his you birthday every year.
4: <laughs> yeah. But he really it really has been um just just the most incredible experience and even when after he was born and he'd wake us up in the middle of the night or, you know, the the you know, the challenges that come with raising a child, we were always just like I am so grateful that I get to wake up in the middle of the night <laughs> for this little guy because he's here. We every little thing, even even the hard stuff, we were thrilled to be doing, um, just because it was it was such a, a trial. But then to be able to get to this point to have him here, we, we are grateful for every little thing.
1: And we are all so happy for you, Tasha. We're at ten months old now.
3: Yep, yeah, that's right.
1: Have we gotten the mama out of him yet?
3: No, he only says dada. It's not (laughs) fair.
1: After all that you went through, right? (laughs) Dr. Folk, this has to be so rewarding, seeing a couple like this, where it took so long and so much effort.
2: Oh, for sure. It brings a tear to my eye even now. Um, What's amazing in our field is most of our staff members that are at the Utah Fertility Center actually have suffered from infertility. And I think that helps to know the pain that we all went through to achieve familyhood. So I think that's that extra element that you know maybe other offices may not have to be able to help people through and become family and get them to To finally have a baby.
1: But we learned something very important, that the goal is to sign the tree. Is that right? Sign the tree. the tree of life.
3: The tree of life. And one of my neatest experiences was after Walker was born, about two weeks old, we were able to bring him back to the fertility center, and he could meet Dr. Folk and all of the staff, and we were able to sign his name to the tree. And Hmm. that was a really special moment for me. I hear
1: Walker approving (laughs) in the background, which is so nice. Thank you so much, Tasha, Kyle walker for coming in and sharing your story dr folk that's awesome thank you for bringing them in we I appreciate know, it's a beautiful it beautiful story so i, I want to ask you can i deal with one i i think it's a misconception from my 25 years ago brain <laughs> if you go through fertility treatment you have quintuplets
2: <laughs> um that has happened in the past but nowadays the treatments have become refined so that is virtually unheard of
1: doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't happen anymore. That's yeah. a thing. That's just because I'm old. <laughs> okay. Our guest is Dr. Russell Folk from Utah Fertility Center, and we'll be back with more about curing infertility coming up. Stay with us at KSL News Radio.
0: This is a special program called Your Fertility Journey on KSL News Radio.
1: Thank you again for listening this Saturday afternoon as we discuss the journey to fertility for couples who want a family, want the blessing of a family, but face fertility challenges. Our guest this hour is Dr. Russell Folk of the Utah Fertility Center. and We haven't even mentioned it. You have locations, places, you know, offices, right?
2: <laughs> we do. Yeah, one of the, the challenges of infertility treatments is it often requires several visits in a month. And so to facilitate patient care rather than make all the patients come to us in our main office in Pleasant Grove down in Utah County – We have another satellite office in Murray in the central part of Salt Lake. We have another office up in Idaho Falls and then another office down in St. George. So So that way we can help patients no matter where they are along the Wasatch Front.
1: You're spread across northern Utah, which is good. Um, You have a website that has a wealth of information. I've been there. Why don't you give out the website as well?
2: It's easy. It's UtahFertility.com.
1: That's pretty simple. That's easy. Phone <laughs> number, or does everybody contact you pretty much on the web? Uh,
2: you can go through the web and get appointments and, and find out everything about us.
1: Utahfertility.com. So, uh, Dr. Falk, we've discussed a little bit about the cost, the causes, the various treatments you offer, and we should once again mention the success rates. Can we get into the weeds with this? Because... You know, just to say most cases are successful isn't enough because you're one person. You need a 100% success rate.
2: Yeah. Well, one thing I often tell my patients is that if you look at biology, reproduction is the most reproducible process in our bodies. Meaning if you had a certain disease that affected you, like a heart disease— then it would affect you and your life, whereas reproduction affects you and your posterity's life. So it has to be a system that works. Meaning if you have a healthy egg, a healthy sperm, and a healthy uterus, 100% of people will achieve a successful pregnancy, 100%. So the key is to identify whether the egg, the sperm, and the uterus are healthy. And that's where those diagnostic tests come early on.
1: So you don't look at it as what's wrong. You look at it as what can be fixed?
2: Absolutely. The process is meant to work. We are meant to have children. We have to have children in order to perpetuate our genes. So it is, a, it is a critical biological function. And so really it's our duty to find then what is the obstruction? What's keeping it? What's keeping nature from helping this couple have a baby?
1: For couples who are just starting on the journey to a family, are there everyday things that they can do to increase Their fertility. I mean, I used to hear, eat oysters and things (laughs) like that. Are, Are there real things that you can do in this world?
2: There are. The, the most important thing is just be aware. So for example, if a woman's cycles are irregular, they're not coming predictably every 28 days, for example, then that suggests that they may not be ovulating regularly. If you identify that, you can always test in the store with these kits called ovulation predictor kits. They sell them where the pregnancy tests are and determine whether you're ovulating or not. And If you're not, you should seek care sooner than later.
1: Rather than waiting the full 12 months that you recommend before seeking out treatment. Correct. Or and at least seeking out an evaluation
2: yeah and similarly on the male side if a young man for example had an injury when he was younger and hurt that part of his body there is a higher risk that there could be trouble later in life so maybe not wait the full 12 months go in and check that first
1: there are situations where there are indicators there are flags that something could be wrong and you know it don't wait the year
2: right there's no reason to put yourself through that
1: so there are things though that you can do to kind of Lean the odds in your favor. I noticed on your website you talk about nutrition, body mass index. What is that all about?
2: It has to do with the probability of ovulating. So if a a woman's uh, body chemistry is, is such that her weight is too much or her diet is poor, it can affect her ovulation, for example.
1: Physical health, does exercise help? Is exercise bad? Too much exercise?
2: Um, interestingly, if you exercise too much, which means running over 25 miles a week, I mean, this is these are marathon runner intense uh, exercisers. It can affect ovulation as well.
1: And otherwise, exercise, there's no food that you can eat that makes a difference.
2: Um, there are bad things. Everyone knows that drugs are not good. We know marijuana can lower a man's sperm count. Um, smoking, cigarette smoking, can affect a woman's eggs. So there are certain lifestyles that should be avoided to maximize your fertility.
1: Do you treat people who've been cigarette smokers, have consumed alcohol, or do you limit it to people who are most likely to achieve success? No, we
2: treat everybody. Everybody, no matter the age, the gender, everything comes through our door, we help.
1: So what is the best advice you could give to a couple that's been trying but is yet to be blessed with a child.
2: The first piece of advice is to know why you're not getting pregnant. And once you know that, develop a plan that will overcome it. If you are successful in overcoming, you'll get pregnant. If you're not, then you haven't fixed all the problems. So make sure you fix all the problems. Once you do, you will have a baby.
1: I mentioned my son was born 26 years ago. Uh, There were none of these challenges for our family, fortunately, but I'd imagine in your field of expertise, 26 years ago, is the dark ages. (laughs) But still, there are technological advances now. What's the latest in the field?
2: Yeah, it's remarkable things that have been happening recently. Um, One of the more uh, popular things that you hear about in the news these days is egg freezing, so historically, we've always been able to freeze sperm, but eggs are far larger cells and more complicated to freeze. And it's only been the last five years that we've had the technology to do that.
1: So can you freeze eggs and use them over the course of time, like during the, the period when you're being treated as a couple, that you can save eggs for later and time out a family?
2: Yes. So this is pertinent in women who perhaps are pursuing an education or a career and they're worried about having a child later in life. Since a woman runs out of eggs earlier in her life when she's 40 to 45 years old, that fear is real. So many women are coming in in their early 30s to freeze their eggs in case they have trouble later in life.
1: The likelihood of success changes with age,
2: doesn't it? Yeah, big, Uh, big uh, impact. Can you break it down for me? Yeah. If you're 35 and younger, remember I mentioned earlier that the probability per month of getting pregnant is 20%. By the time you're 35 to 38, it drops to 10%. From 38 to 40, it's 5%. From 40 to 42, it's 2%. That means if you take 142-year-old women, only one out of 50, two out of 100, will be able to get pregnant per month.
1: So the primary determining factor is really
2: age. A woman's age is a huge determinant.
1: Well, uh, in, in any event, you work with people of all ages, practically. We do. we do. And you have achieved the some of the best success rates nationally in yep. the industry.
2: Yeah, we work very hard at maintaining the expertise that makes sure we can overcome every cause of infertility.
1: Well, I want to thank you. You mentioned getting education. We've all received one from you today, and <laughs> we appreciate it. We are in your debt. This is Dr. Russell Folk from Utah Fertility Center. You can find them on the web at utahfertility.com and you can find them at multiple offices up and down the Wasatch Front. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well thanks for having us. This is such a devastating disease to a lot of Utahns and this is, know that there is hope and help out there.
1: Thank you for providing hope. I'm Jeff Kaplan. You're listening to KSL News Radio.